happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff, your weekly reminder to throw potatoes at Nazis and or the police protecting Nazis as long as you're talking about a fantasy land like the United Kingdom. Yes, that's right. Uh, I'm Margaret Kiljoy, your host, and my guest is James Stout. Hi, James. Hi, Margaret. Sophie is our producer. How are you doing, Sophie? I'm good. I have my my bubbly, bubbly five-calorie water beverage with mm-hmm. hint of pineapple and it just feels right yeah tropical you're drinking still water like a mm-hmm. i'm splitting the difference i have bubbly water with no pineapple all right mm-hmm. we have all the different types of water and that's yeah. what matters is solidarity between water types mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. like today's story of solidarity oh i forgot the rest of the credits ian is our audio engineer hi ian hi ian hi ian and unwoman did our theme music and this is part two, and especially like it's always the you better go back and listen to part one, but this one in particular, like mm-hmm. we're just going to drop you in the middle of something. So you should go back and listen to part one. But today, where we last left our heroes, who in this case are the overwhelming majority of working class Londoners who hate fascists, they'd just been told by the powers that be that the supposedly progressive voices to just let the fascists march. Our heroes did not agree. So the counter-organizers, they really tried to do things the right way. The Jewish People's Council Against Fascism and Anti-Semitism circulated a petition. They got 100,000 signatories, again, and including like all of the mayors or four of the mayors or five of the mayors. I don't know how many mayors are in the East End. I'm running into conflicting information about that. Um, Again, too many mayors. It's supposed to be one per town. Well, the, the I think many mayors is better than one mayor, right? Like you don't want to concentrate authority in one. Because we have one mayor in San Diego, and he fucking sucks. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, I would rather have many mayors. What if we're all the mayor? I like the town with the dog mayor. Oh yeah, let's do that. Anderson okay. for mayor. Let's combine it. A council of dog mayors. Perfect. Nailed it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Or what if your mayor was a mayor? Oh, fantastic! Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. Mayor. Love that, yeah. Better than a nightmare. Okay, so they tried to do the right thing. They got 100,000 signatories, which is a lot of fucking people. Yeah, especially back then. 
Yeah, well, I did look it up. The population of London was larger in 1936 than it is currently. The population of London like went down real hard and has only recently come back up. Yeah, now everyone lives in London, it seems don't like. know anything about that. You? I'm guessing, like, I mean, the, it being bombed quite a lot in the subsequent decade probably didn't help. Yeah. Uh, but then, I don't know after that, really. There was a lot of flight from urban areas. Like, Britain, urban areas in Britain... Uh, like were really poorly mismanaged and underfunded and, and uh, really not well looked after. Uh, especially, obviously, working class area, urban areas okay. is what I'm talking about here. So you had that kind of classic uh, bourgeois white flight situation. Okay. So 100,000 people, and I think mostly East Enders, which is a huge portion of the East End, um, which is like 300,000 people total or something at this time, they all sign on. But John Simon, the Home Secretary, who's sometimes referred to as like by his like full weird British titles, like Sir or something and something, John Simon. Oh, yeah. Simon. You're going to hit um, us with the full. Yeah. And I think maybe like different sources, depending on if they're like more conservative or more progressive, like choose to give the different things. Yeah, definitely. But either way, he refuses to ban the march. Uh, his quote about it is basically like, I'm not a dictator, right? But it's actually <laughs> that he like. <laughs> I just like them. Yeah, that's that's way more. Because, um, you know, from my point of view, governments probably shouldn't crack down on free speech and assembly as governments, right? Mm-hmm. But then he was like, well, what if instead 7,000 cops defend the fascists? Yeah, that's a, little, that's a step further, isn't it? <laughs> that's well, not the same thing. And then, to take it even yeah. one more step further, for Mr. I'm Not a Dictator, this grand gesture of free speech on the part of the government, well, earlier, a group called the Ex-Servicemen's Anti-Fascist Association had already gotten the permit to march on that in that area on that day. <laughs> the cops pulled their permit yeah. and told them they weren't allowed to anymore because the fascists were more important. <laughs> yeah, which is a, a, a yeah, audacious move on their part. Yeah. And the cops brought literally more cops than could be brought from just London uh, in the end. So cops came from all over the region, maybe possibly all over the country, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. In the end, actually, fascist cops and anti-fascists came in from around the country, although, again, by and large, the anti-fascists skewed local, like, way higher percentage um, than the other ones. So a ton of cops are going to go protect the march. Fortunately, you're going to be so relieved. There's this big communist party. They're going to be on top of organizing against the fascists. They've got nine months, and that's, like, their whole deal, right? Yeah, yeah, great. I can't wait to see what they do. Well, Mm mm-hmm. Uh, the higher-ups have a different idea. Oh, no, yeah, well, what's the idea? Their idea is to cozy up to the political establishment at the time. That's disappointing, isn't it? That's a real shame. It's yeah. Not, yeah. They wanted to form a popular front government like France and Spain, so they actually called for a different rally the same day at Trafalgar Square to keep people from going to fight the fascists. And it was... This is really annoying because it was a rally for a good cause. It was to show support and raise money for the Spanish Republic and their fight against fascism. Mm -hmm. But they sent out a bunch of commands to their rank and file to basically be like, you have to let the fascists march. And It's ironic, right? Because the Popular Front was the Popular Front Against Fascism. (laughs) (laughs) Not the Popular Front of not fucking going to a different place in town. (laughs) And it's like, I don't think Labour gave a shit about the Communist Party. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, yeah. they're like trying to cozy up to someone who does not care, as far as I can tell. Yeah, you're not gonna, yeah. um, don't be the pick-me leftist. Yeah. But, like I keep learning over and over again while I'm not 
necessarily a huge fan of the Communist Party. The actual rank and file people often are pretty amazing people trying to do pretty amazing things. And so this command from the higher up the Communist Party upset a lot of people in their rank and file, particularly Jews and particularly in Stepney. Fortunately, the organizing against fascism literally did not need them. It went on without them. It didn't need the political elite and it didn't need the vanguard. The center of this organizing was probably the JPC, the Jewish, the long acronym group, but independent trade unions and the independent labor party, which is a political party to the left of the labor party. They did the work too, uh, as did a lot of unaffiliated folks. And, and then I keep hearing reference to anarchists involved in the organizing, but I can't find any specifics about it. And so I don't have any like, I don't know whether that's people being like, oh, well, it was like leftists in the early 20th century. So they just like list out socialist, communist, anarchists, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know? And there definitely was a, a presence of anarchism at that time. Like an anarcho-syndicalism specifically, right? Like British anarchists came to Spain to fight uh, with the Deruti column and the Iron column. Yeah, no, I... I and I want to know, I, I, I spent a while being me, I spent a while trying to find out what was going on yeah. with that part of it um, and couldn't find a ton of information. I, I can tell you that some of the communist leaders are going to be like, never mind and become anarchists after all of this, <laughs> uh, including the secretary for the Stepney Anarchist Communist Party, Joe, he's later in the script. Anyway, people start organizing. And they shall not pass graffiti went up all over the East End. Um, mm-hmm. Literally entire squads of whitewashers were going around writing they shall pa- not pass, which is, of course, a reference that had, from a quote that had come only a few months earlier at this point, 1936, of they shall not pass about preventing, no passeron, preventing the fascists from taking Spain. And in contrast to a lot of the struggles I sometimes cover of around this era and especially earlier, Um, All of this organizing and the fighting and the street defense stuff and all of that included women at every at every part of this. So anytime you picture a group of people doing a thing, picture it heavily, like very gender diverse. So the Stepney Jewish Communist Party folks managed finally to get through the leadership's thick skull that uh, having a counter rally was a really bad idea that people were going to do this no matter what, with or without the communists. And we can either look like we stood on the side, or even more than that, organized against it, or we can show up and help. And the the Stepney communists were like, let's show up and help. And the leaders were like, ah, let's show up and brand it and claim it was ours <laughs> and then use this for a hundred more years about yeah. why we're great. And the general secretary for the Communist Party in Stepney, he's the Jewish man I was mentioning, Joe Jacobs, And he does the heavy lifting on getting the Communist Party leadership to do the right thing. A year later, he's expelled from the party. Uh, He actually joined again later in 1951, but was expelled again. He became a libertarian socialist when he realized that allegiance to the USSR and vanguard parties was destroying the left in Europe. And he wrote a lot about Cable Street because he helped organize it. So he's one of the main sources, both for the show, but then also a lot of other Cable Street stuff. To zoom in on him for a moment, Literally because it ends up with a tuberculosis reference. It's the only reason I'm zooming in on him. He was born in 1913 in the East End to Russian Jewish parents. He lost his eye when he was 12 and he had a glass eye ever since. And his elderly sister died of friend of the pod tuberculosis. (laughs) When he was 12, he came upon a demonstration in support of the Jewish Bakers Union and his life changed. Soon he was a communist and he was loyal as hell. 
he he was like his quotes about how he like wouldn't even read Trotsky because the party told him not to read Trotsky. He should have been the easiest guy to keep in the fold ever, right? Right. Yeah, unless you like just completely turn your back on his community. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he always wanted the party to do the right thing. And then the party didn't like that he kept trying to do that. So the Communist Party is like, fine, we'll cancel Trafalgar, Trafalgar and lead the action against Mosley. Uh, and they do this literally the Friday before the Sunday march. Everyone else has been organizing for like, I think, nine months at this point. But they went into full swing and they did a lot. They printed maps of where the march was going to be so that people could study and prepare. They brought in folks from around the city. I have a feeling that there was always this part of them being like, as soon as we fucking get this through party politics heads, we're going to be ready to go into action. Yeah. And a few days earlier, the Stepney branch of the Communist Party did the, I think, the coolest thing they did of all of this, which is they went on the offensive and marched on the Buffs East Ed headquarters. Have you heard this? <laughs> No, I think I have when I've been reading about it. It's been such a long time. Yeah, yeah. So they just like crewed up and they're like, oh, we're going on a march. No, they went to go fucking fight them at their headquarters and did showed up to the black shirts headquarters and beat the shit out of all the black shirts that they found. Or Amazing. to quote Joe Jacobs, quote, there were several scuffles. And since the police were unable to assist the fascists effectively, we got much better of the exchanges. We passed with more ease than I had anticipated. <laughs> I think I've seen that very quote before, yeah. actually. Yeah, <laughs> Fantastic like, understatement. We just rolled through them, fuck them. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not so brave when their own cops to hide behind. Yeah. Later, they kept marching after that, and later Joe gets arrested. But he was soon bailed out, and the cops were in a hurry to get him free because hundreds of people surrounded the jail, <laughs> yeah. shouting, they shall not pass. <laughs> And there is one nice moment he's describing getting arrested and he's like, wait, hold on. My, they're like beating him up, I think. And he's like, wait, hold on my eye. It's glass. And they're like, oh, okay. And they let him take <laughs> out his glass eye and put it in his pocket before they like, <laughs> beat him up. Yeah. Which I guess is like, they. there is a difference between trying to like kill someone and trying to. Right. Yeah. Beat them, you know? Yeah. But anyway, this is a very good way to get your friends out of prison. I've done it successfully a couple times myself. It could go the other way, and the person inside could have a real bad time because hundreds of people are outside screaming their yeah. name or whatever. But overall, the thing worth considering. Another badass communist Jew during all this time was a a, a guy named Phil Paratin, who organized a great deal of all of the resistance that we're going to be talking about and Cable Street in particular. And later, he went on to be. He's the person who forced the government to open up the London Underground stations as bomb shelters during the Blitz. Yeah. Yeah. We can, this is not a probably topic for this podcast, but like this idea of the Blitz spirit is entirely post memory. Like it doesn't fucking work that way. Like people were mad in the Blitz because the government didn't do fuck all for them and they had to force them to open the underground shelters so they had a safe place to go. Yeah. And then they spent most of that time obviously being pissed about this like there, there, this like idea of everyone like pulling together behind the government it's nonsense no and i think that is worth pointing out i think that because it's like we can celebrate london's anti-fascist spirit and recognize that it came in direct opposition to like every political force in the city. yes yeah. even the people whose party was built on we beat up fascists 
you know, had to yeah, yeah. drag kicking and screaming into doing some kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah, it came from entirely from below and yeah. not from anyone in positions of authority. So both sides are now organized and ready for this march on Cable Street. <laughs> well, the fascists think they are. And this brings us to Sunday, October 4th, 1936, the big day. And if you're getting ready for your big day, try one of the wedding planners that we advertise on this show. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So Mosley's plan is he's going to lead his like three to 5,000 black shirts, seeing different numbers, through the East End, um, probably 3,000, into the heart of the Jewish neighborhood or through the heart of the Jewish neighborhood, not actually Cable Street. That's the plan B. We'll get to that. And he's going to like start by like reviewing his troops all in one place. And then they're going to go on four different marches. He has this like elaborate fantasy of like how he's just going to like with his 3,000 fucking Nazis and his 6,000 cops like take over the East End. Like, I straight up don't know what I think he thought was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he's fucking, I don't know, like, tea and medals, I suppose. Like, he's raised on some kind of imperial bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, totally. He's like, well, I'm a noble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, they can't stop me. Yeah. And so, you know, he's got his six to 7,000 police on his side trying to protect his free speech that he's allowed to have instead of the people who got a permit before him. And like half a million people showed up to beat them the fuck up. <laughs> the numbers range from 100,000 to 500,000. Time reported half a million. I'm guessing that most of the 100,000 guesses are from the like 
people who are afraid it just sounds made up if you come up with a higher number. <laughs> I don't know. The most reputable places seem to put it at about 300,000. But there's just like literally no way to know. It's just the entire East End is just packed with people. Yeah. And it's hard to kind of quantify like, right? Like who's there because they've traveled to come there versus who's like, oh, look, a fascist is walking past my house. Well, I'll throw an egg. Yeah. That's yeah. a really good point too. Most people never got anywhere near the fighting. Most people, a lot of people weren't even able to get off the underground, which is what you call the subway there, right? Yes. Okay. Well, the tube been on another. It, and the only thing I remember about it is the loudspeaker saying cockfosters. <laughs> and they do it just to make the Americans laugh so that everyone yeah. knows who the Americans are. It's people are up. obsessed with Mind the Gap, which I've never really understood. Like, I don't uh, know why it's, it's so exciting for people. That, that one's nothing. That's nothing. That's just, that's just so you, that's your Anglophile one. Oh, the, is that like the tea booze? I don't know what that means. Uh, it's a, I think it's a, it's a word for Anglophile. What is the word? Tea boo? Like, 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 oh, like like weeaboo only. What's the T? <laughs> oh, like the tea. <laughs> oh, the T is the other word for the subway, right? No, it's the T is the thing that oh, we drink. Oh, T, the, the thing you yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I think the T is Boston, maybe or something like that. No, we the tube oh, is the other word for the underground. Tea-a-boo. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think mind the gap is the like I went to London and I need a personality trait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And to be fair, when I was a teenager, I went to Finland and needed a personality trait. So that was my thing. Every, everyone needs a personality trait when they're a teenager. Yeah. Anyway, all these people got lucky. Their personality trait was I threw shit at Mosley and the cops. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one to have. I know. Listeners. So there's the fascists and then there's the cops and then there's just like fucking every Irish and Jewish person in the city plus all their close friends and family ready to fight. This is obviously an exaggeration. He had some supporters in the East End. They didn't stand a chance. There was no version of this where they could have pulled off anything without like a machine gun and one of the worst things that could have possibly ever happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the police start by trying to clear a crowd, clear the crowd to make path for him. And they do this by riding police horses into people and beating everyone up with sticks. Mm -hmm. Truncheons, I believe they're called. Yes, truncheons. Yeah. Seen that happen a couple of times. Yeah, I believe it. Not a fun day. Immediately, a communist tram driver drove it in front of the police, stopped the tram, <laughs> got out, yeah, and walked away. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> he was, it was the first of four trams. Yeah. <laughs> what a hero. I know. It's <laughs> <laughs> a simple act of resistance. Yeah. The police were brutal. Uh, a quote from one Jewish woman talking about it is, Quote, they knocked my brother out. The police were going by on horseback and hit him with a truncheon. He was only 12. And so one of the first things that happened is people, apparently, especially children, threw marbles into the streets in front of the horse cops <laughs> yeah. and like tripped them all and shit. Yeah. And, and cops were like running people over with horses, right? There's like, yeah, other... go ahead. I don't think unless you've been party to like a, a like a mounted police charge, I don't think you realize the violence that is inherent in that. Like, like yeah. that shit is scary. Like we are designed as human beings not to want to be run over by horses. Yeah. And, and like, I don't think it happens as much now as it used to. Cops like to use bikes now. Yeah. But like, yeah, that, that is like a, a primarily scary experience. Yeah. 
I've been in a couple demonstrations where we like stare down lines of horse cops, but I've never mm-hmm. been in a horse cop charge. And I'm very grateful yeah. for that. Yeah. Um, but apparently, one way to deal with it is marbles. Yeah. I would never yeah. rec- You're going to catch felonies if you get caught doing it. Well, if you get yeah, caught yeah. doing anything that we're about to talk about today, you're catching yeah, felonies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The following is a list of crimes. People committing felonies. <laughs> yeah. That, the best way to do felonies is with 400,999 of your best friends because uh, they can't catch you all. It's true. It's true. And the number of people they caught is like not that high considering what happened. Yeah. So they start throwing marbles. People had packets of pepper that they tossed at the cops and the police horses or like would rip open beneath the horse nose to catch the cause the horse to like rear up and shit. It's just like fucking yeah. like old school pepper spray. Yeah. And one thing that's important to understand, it was not a battle between fascists and anti-fascists. It was a battle between anti-fascists and the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fascists, I think more or less just cowered behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were the second rank of the, the fascist <laughs> yeah, like, army. Yeah. We got you. If they get through you, don't worry. The cops are like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will die to defend your right to be a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. The pogue, pogues of fascism. Yeah. And this battle starts on Lemon Street. It rages for hours. The cops had the weaponry. The people had the people. Whenever someone ran off or was injured or was arrested, there was hundreds of people to take their place. For, at the beginning of it, the cops focused on trying to arrest people, um, but it took like 10 officers to arrest a hundred to arrest one person. Um, and everyone, there's like pictures of people either like going limp or maybe unconscious, but like the cops really have to carry away people. They arrested about 80 people that day. And so soon they switched to raw violence and it wouldn't work. They couldn't get anywhere through the main thoroughfare m- through into the Jewish quarter, which was their main plan. So they moved it to Cable Street, to the Irish Catholic neighborhood. <laughs> this didn't go any better for them. <laughs> yeah, smart move there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the anti-fascists had a mole in the police force somewhere, apparently, is the, one of the things I read. And they knew it was being moved to Cable Street, like, as soon as it happened. And they were prepared. They also had also mapped out all possible contingencies. And there was, like, four or five streets that they had barricaded or re- barricades ready uh, to go. And, like... And then a loudspeaker announced where the fascists and the cops were going. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. There's like kids up on lampposts and shit. Like, I think there's a quote about it later. And um, so they go to Cable Street. By the time the cops get there, there's an overturned truck or lorry, I suppose, Mm -hmm. uh, as a barricade. And people built more barricades behind that. And they would rip up cobblestones to throw at least as much as to build barricades with. People brought out their like mattresses and furniture out of their houses because you're just going through. Yeah, as you point out, it's like someone's fucking neighborhood, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like you can go to your front room and come back. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not very far. Yeah. Uh, and so this is where you get these images of um, old Irish Catholic ladies on rooftops throwing pepper bombs from tenement roofs, <laughs> emptying chamber pots on the cops. It's always like... Classic. Oh, they dumped refuse on the cops. No one <laughs> wants to say piss and shit. They yeah, dumped piss yeah. and shit on the cops. Yeah. That's praxis. Bricks were thrown. Rotten vegetables pelted the cops. And there's like supply lines of all the ammunition to the tossers and all of this <laughs> stuff. Here's where we get to our supposed potatoes with razor blades. Have you heard this? I've heard it. Yeah, I'm not, I I was never sure if it was like the, the true truth or like... Cause I, I I don't know when disposable razor blades became a thing. 
Well, I think that there were, I think this is a thing that would have been possible. It was discussed okay. at the time. It was a, I think it was the thing, like, when I was coming up, people were like, the cops were always like, these anarchists are going to throw piss on the cops. And we were always like, where the <laughs> fuck do they get this from? No <laughs> one's throwing piss on cops, right? And um, clearly we're talking about here where they did throw piss on cops. Yeah. But it was this like boogeyman people would come up with all the time. Yeah. Right? It's possible that the razor blade potato thing was the boogeyman about the Irish. Oh. Because yeah, there's articles from around that time about the quote animal gangs of ireland who i do not know enough about politically they seem to be positioned against the ira but i don't know if that was an internal struggle or an external struggle someone does i just don't know and so these dublin street fighters supposedly had potatoes stuck full of razors and you know whatever i mean honestly it's one of those things where they probably said to try and demonize us and then here we are later being like fuck yes the motherfucking <laughs> yeah. irish motherfuckers threw potato stuff with razors and some fucking yeah. cops protecting the fascists that rules you know yeah this was also alleged during the stockton fight i talked about earlier where the grandmother mm-hmm. bit through the cop a fascist got hit in the face with something and he was like it was a potato full of razors <laughs> but even his friends i think were like buddy that was no, a rock you got hit in the head with a rock <laughs> Yeah, it still hurts. Yeah. I don't want to get hit in the head with either of these things. Yeah. Maybe there were black metal potatoes. Maybe there weren't. Uh, there was piss and shit. There were marbles. There were pepper bombs. There were stones. There was fists. And there was all kinds of anti-fascism. Oh, and kitchen utensils dropped from windows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our man Joe said, quote, oh, and Joe, but Joe was like, most of the organizers like literally couldn't get to the front. <laughs> it's just like a human crush. Yeah. Um, but our man Joe said, young people were perched on all the lampposts and any other vantage point, displaying posters and directing the crowds towards the weak spots in the fronts with the police. <laughs> Amazing. The organizers had first aid stations set up and storefronts on every place that there could be fighting. Like, I like, <laughs> I like mean it when it's like, this was organized. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then after a point, it didn't need organizing anymore. It just became like spontaneous and, and yeah. like organic. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. They fought the state like hand to hand, street to street, and won. Yeah. Yeah. They set up the infrastructure and then let the organic growth of the moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do its thing. It blossomed into a beautiful uh, yeah. tree. There were over 80 injuries reported that day, but it seems like a very low number. And the best guess is yeah. that the number was actually very much higher than that. But the anti-fascists took care of their own at their medic stations. So it's like, you're not going to the hospital, right? You're going to an anti-fascist doctor in a storefront. The crowds chanted, no passeron. They chanted, they will not pass. And they chanted, one, two, three, four, five. We want Mosley, dead or alive. <laughs> Can you imagine half a million people chanting that? <laughs> like, yeah, that has to be fucking petrifying. I know. And then here's my favorite felony that was committed during the whole thing. Uh, Two police officers were arrested by the crowd. <laughs> Amazing. They were dragged away by a family, I think, like into the house. <laughs> just detained there who yeah like kept them until it was all over and then released them but kept their helmets as souvenirs for the rest of their lives fantastic love that yeah (laughs) 
somewhere in my I don't know where, but and I don't even know how he came about it. But my grandfather was, uh, I guess, in his teens at this time. Mm-hmm. It, it was later, but at some point he obtained a policeman's helmet, and, I, and it, he absolutely was not a cop. So, like, <laughs> I don't think I don't think it came about through this, but uh, it's I mean, just, that's cool, no matter what. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think one of them stole it and then they passed it to each other and then he was a, a competitive runner. So he was the one tasked with taking off with it. When I, I lived in this um, anti-fascist squat in Amsterdam a long time ago and I was like not as much of a street fighter as like the people I lived with. And I was like, and just on the wall was a police helmet and a police baton. <laughs> and um, And me and one of my friends who was like also, we were kind of like the like, the not fighty like we were the like less bad we're like the goofy kids who are just like there and so we're like playing around with the baton (laughs) helmet and then i accidentally whacked him in the ear so hard that his ear turned blue oh for like two weeks (laughs) jesus it was like on his shoulder and then like slipped you know (laughs) no yeah so you became a tool of state violence i i i did i the baton possessed you yeah it's like the talking swords in D &D. the baton really had a will of its own you know Mm -hmm. yeah it wants to be a cop that's why you have to uh take it to a special place where there is a fire a a volcano and you can melt it okay quest but what if i took it to someone to like get the curse lifted so then it became like the people's stick Oh wait, we've, there's a whole yeah. quote about the people's stick not being any better than the <laughs> other sticks. Huh. What if you painted it with a hammer and sickle, and then you hit all the people who you disagree yeah, yeah. with? Yes, uh, yeah, and it will be fine. Only hit people who you think are Trotskyists, and you'll be good. Yeah, great. God. Uh, so the police eventually break through the first barricade on Cable Street, but there's another one. So they break through, but there's another one. So they break through. But there's another one. And I think around the fourth barricade, I've actually read also that they were turned away at the first barricade, but I've also read that they made it to the fourth. Either way, I don't care. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Finally, they just couldn't fucking go any further. Uh, There's a couple different ways that exactly the cops turning around. There was like people high up in government being like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. (laughs) And like pushing on the police commissioner to turn around. There was also possibly someone like from the like protesters who was like talking to the police commissioner and basically was like, look, this isn't going to work. Like there was a police yeah, negotiator. It, Whatever it was, the chief of police decided that um, it couldn't go any further. One of the organizers later said, quote, the chief of police decided that if the march had taken place, there would have been death on the road and there would have been. Yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's fairly fair to say. Yeah. But also beyond like mm-hmm. people dying under March, like the state exists as an entity, but it has a monopoly on legitimate violence. And it like in this moment, it has lost that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's the precarity of like the entire apparatus of policing is, is yeah. probably pretty evident when you're getting shit dumped on you. Yeah. There's only 8 million people in the city of London and half a million people are currently fighting all of the cops of London, the surrounding area <laughs> yeah. winning. Yeah. Um, this Definitely could have did. gone anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This could have been a whole whole thing. Yeah. So the police commissioner was like, all right, sorry, bud. I can't get you any further. You want to like go rally somewhere else? We'll protect you if you rally somewhere else. But Mosley was like, no, I just want to go home. <laughs> so he marched west and then dispersed. 
uh, in the end, 79 fa- anti-fascists were arrested and six fascists were arrested. And the JPC organized free legal aid for the anti-fascists immediately. The cops at the station, you're going to be shocked by this. They were anti-Semitic and violent. Oh, really? The police? I know. Yeah, that's crazy because I've just seen them doing Pride Month cars, so I thought they were cool. Yeah. (laughs) The cops at the station called everyone either Jew bastard or Jewish bitch, depending on their gender, and then beat them up. That's... Gender, conf- gender affirming. See, I was right about the pride. Cars. Yeah. See. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Great group of people. One person, at least. Well, let's just use the quote. The swing doors of the police station suddenly burst open, and my father's good friend Charlie Goodman appeared. His head had been used like a battering ram by the four policemen who were carrying him, and many arrestees faced hard labor. Sixty-four people, in the end, got like three months of, I think, hard labor. Jesus. Uh, One participant, David Rosenberg, told The Guardian, quote, it was frightening. They slung my brother in a black Mariah. My mom was waiting up for him and he didn't come home. He was in a police cell. My dad came home covered in blood. One man who was there who could see better than others because he was tall, told The Guardian later, we were all side by side. I was moved to tears to see the bearded Jews and Irish Catholic dockers standing up to stop Mosley. I shall never forget that as long as I live how working class people could get together to oppose the evil of racism. And after the victory, the chants turned from they shall not pass to they did not pass. And obviously things were really hard for the people who were like beat up and arrested and shit, right? Um, But overall, everyone went into the cafes laughing and happy, swapping stories. The streets were not fixed for a very long time. (laughs) And if you want your streets fixed, then probably don't become a libertarian. Where am I going with this? Ad transitions are my job. I'm good at my job. Mm -hmm. This is the song of the ad transition. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. (laughs) Double thumbs up. Yeah. Everyone was really excited about Eventually, I'm going to do a musical episode of this. Oh, hell yeah. We could do the bagpipes together. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can see Sophie just smiling. She's anticipating it. Yeah. My neighbors <laughs> will be so excited about... Yeah. I live in the mountains, so it, it'll be perfect. Uh, mm-hmm. I do not, but I just don't care. Oh, well, yeah, you know, your neighbors mm-hmm. will also like you. So, there's a lot of argument about the aftermath of Cable Street. One thing that is true that is used by people who are like, see, violence doesn't work. To be clear, that's an incorrect yeah. assessment of this particular thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or the world war that happened immediately afterwards. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Documented evidence of violence working. One thing that happened is the Black Shirts got 2,000 new members. It was their biggest spike in, um, in membership immediately after. And mm-hmm. they were mostly from the East End, these new members. This does not make it a victory for them. Cable Street destroyed the British Union of Fascists. Again, according to that source about Mussolini backing it, Mussolini then decided the whole thing was embarrassing and stopped funding (laughs) them. (laughs) Yeah. Fascists will play the underdog card when it's the only card they've got in their hand, but it doesn't, like, if we're imagining this is a card game, it doesn't synergize well with their, like, platform, right? They do well when they are aggrieved but strong, right? Like when they're the top dog, but someone is like coming for them, you know? And Cable Street made it real, real fucking clear that they were unpopular and that they were losers. One organizer said, quote, For what it's worth, I have often thought that if Mosley had secured a firm foothold in East London, from which he might have built a mass base, the whole history of the world could have been different. Certainly, there were powerful forces backing him. If these forces had not been checked... Might they not have had an alliance with Hitler and Mussolini, resulting in an all-out attack on the Soviet Union? And so, like, I love, I was about to say, like, we shouldn't play games like, if this had gone different, how would the world have been different? I love playing games like that. It's, like, the most fun part of any of this. Yeah. Because I like the idea that two teenaged anarchist Jews who were like, hey, what if we organize childcare for the Dockers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. created the alliance between two immigrant cultures of different religions that defeated fascism, kept fascism from taking England, and therefore meant that the World War II went to the Allies. Yeah. The, there's, some, there's some gaps in this, right? Right. <laughs> but, yeah, but it's, not, it's not, not true that Britain was very close to being on the wrong side of... of- these things yeah and like it's certainly like if working class people in london hadn't been like no like we're not going to take instruction from the communist party mm-hmm. or capitalists or anyone else like, they, like they're not welcome in our community we will fucking fight them yeah then british history would be very different for sure yeah totally one bittersweet result of the cable street riots or 
battle or whatever, was that the Public Order Act of 1936 was passed. And this was presented as this anti-fascist thing or anti-black shirt thing. It banned the wearing of political uniforms in public. It has been used throughout history against working class and anti-colonial movements. This is a thing that people will never learn the lesson of. Or, no, I shouldn't be pessimistic. This is a lesson that we should pay attention to. That when we give the state more power, hoping that they will use it against fascists, as soon as any part of government wants to do something different, like be fascists, they now have a new tool that you have given them. But even still, this proved that he was out-organized. Mosley gave a speech that night at K- uh, after Cable Street. It was the last time he ever tried to give a talk in the East End, and it was the last talk he ever gave in a uniform. Cable Street and all this organizing in general helped mobilize the 2,100 anti-fascist volunteers from England who went and fought against Franco in Spain. A quarter of them, 526 of them, never returned. There's a memorial for them in London. I was talking about how I went around London with no context, so I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. Not true for this part. Oh, cool. Because there's a memorial for them in London that um, my partner at the time, was British, took me to. And it, it made me cry when I saw it because I'm a sap. And that memorial says they went because their open eyes could see no other way. Yeah, and, it's really, people should go if they get the chance. Yeah. Yeah. There was a Cable Street machine gun company, I think. Whoa. Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> all, they all had really cool names. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, not people who made machine guns. There was a, machine gun oh, company, no, no, yeah like yeah a yeah fighters yeah 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 fuck yeah and at least some of the arrestees who did hard labor were some of the people who immediately like turned around and went to spain you know yeah i can see why yeah totally <laughs> yeah and they, it's cool how strongly they drew on what had just happened in barcelona yeah. Like how quickly, they, that was July of that same year. They were like, yeah, well, we fucking beat them there and we can beat them here. And in neither case did we need the support of the state. Like people did it themselves. Yeah, totally. The anti-fascist movement also, and this actually ties into some state stuff, it got people involved in World War II who would never have fought for king and country, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there were people willing to go join the Allied Army, go join the British Army to go fight Nazis. Um, and the communist party has been claiming it as their victory ever since. And they did a lot of really good anti-fascist work, but of course this wasn't solely them by a long shot. Um, I really think that the JPC is like the center of what made this happen. Um, which also makes me really happy because it's like organized by Jews, even though the majority of the fighters literally could not have been Jews. There was only 60,000 Jews in the city, (laughs) right? Yeah. But like, yeah, and, and also the fact that it was also not just leftist Jews fighting too, right? Like um, you have Orthodox Jews were brought up in a lot of the stories about like, you know, basically like, holy shit, there's an Irish Catholic and an Orthodox Jew like fighting hand in hand, you know? Yeah. But Mosley, two days after, have you heard about Mosley immediately after this? What do you immediately I think went I have. To? No. Two days after Cable Street, he went to Germany. Yeah. Oh, for fuck's sake. Married yeah, his yeah. second wife in uh, Goebel, Goebbels, Ger, G- I don't know, yeah. Goebbels' house. Goebbels, yeah. Goebbels, with, with Hitler as a guest. Uh, Hitler gave the happy couple a signed portrait of himself mm-hmm. as yeah. a present. Imagine. Is there, is there 
more cursed of a <laughs> gift? <laughs> I know. Than side beer. Yeah. Luckily, that was the worst thing he ever did because. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, uh, you all yeah, have- what a. <laughs> Yeah, that should have been a red fucking flag right there. I don't care I who your hero is. If he's giving out signed portraits of himself, stab him. And a Jesus wedding present. Christ. Imagine I go to your yeah, wedding yeah, yeah. and I'm like, yeah. here's a picture of me. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's I'm doing from now signed. on. signed. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah. Jesus, yeah. Turned out to be a piece of shit. Yeah. Who could have told Imagine. Who could have guessed? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I, f- I forgot they all intermarried. A bunch of them did, right? There were those, uh, was it the Mitford sisters who all married Nazis? Oh, I don't know. Who are the Mitford sisters? Another bunch of really posh British people who have like cousins in their family tree mm. who, uh, you know, like looked at Nazism and was like, yeah, I want a piece of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they, they were already doing the fucking chosen people bullshit, right? Like they've been doing it in their yeah, empire. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, they were like, what if we take the inbreeding for kings and make it for an entire still small group of people? Yeah. Pure bloodlines. That's always good. Yeah, they add some diversity to the yeah. chosen race and maybe try and tack on another 50 years. <laughs> Didn't work. All dead. <laughs> and because, so more of the aftermath of all this, because nothing ever changes if you read the fascist account of the battle, which you can because yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mosley still has fanboys. Who write books oh, about yes. him. Yeah, that the reason my nose points in one direction. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is a, yeah, a story we will explore, not on a recorded podcast. All right. Um, if you read the fascist account of the battle, it was literally all outside agitators who were bussed in, all a bunch of commies and Jews stopping the lawful business of Mosley. I love this take because imagine thinking that all the communists and Jews were bussed in to the only part of England <laughs> yeah. that Jews lived in in large number. Yeah. Did a lap just beforehand, just like a yeah. drum up support. You know, they took them all out the East End, went around a bit, came back. <laughs> <laughs> It'll look cooler if we come in on a bus. <laughs> this is the only way we can get the tram drivers on board. And they're going to be pivotal. Yeah, yeah. And so most of these guys, they, they kept trying, right? Their their day yes. they were done, but they didn't know yet, um, or they went down kicking. They did a, frankly, a pogrom. Two hundred black shirts smashed up businesses and attacked Jews in the East End shortly after, but their heyday was over, never to return. By nineteen thirty eight, Mosley saw that World War Two was coming, and everyone hated his violence is cool and good thing. Plus, he actually turns out wasn't very good at violence. Um, so he shifted the black shirts to be a pacifist organization. <laughs> a thing that has never happened again. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, he tried to demobilize the UK for war. Same shit we see today with the anti-war movement being mostly far right and pro-Russia. This helped his reputation, but not enough. By the time the war came around, it was too late. No one liked him. In 1940, he was arrested because of the war along with like, I think... I can't remember either a hundred or a thousand other fascist sympathizers. I can't remember. They find the signed photo of Hitler in his fucking baby crib when they raid his house. How could that get worse? (laughs) (laughs) What what a fetid piece of shit. Jesus Christ. One of his top guys, who I think got split off from him a little bit before this, because there became like more and more infighting. It was no longer a union of fascists, right? Yeah. One of his top guys, William Joyce, old Billy, 
He went over mm-hmm. to Germany and became a propagandist for the Nazis. After the yep. war, he was captured and hanged. Yeah, he said, uh, what was it? He said, the way he pronounced Germany was like Germany, like J-A-I-R-M-A-N-Y. Like Germany. <laughs> Germany. And uh, <laughs> British, British soldiers, when they were like participating in the, uh, like, the liberation of Germany, would write like Germany on their postcards home. <laughs> to make fun of this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's great, yeah. Because they had just gone and fucking conquered. Yeah, the yeah, place. yeah. Because I like, yeah. Look where I am. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking. Yeah, you fucking loser. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He took a big L yeah. when he got hanged. And so Mosley was like, basically, if Hitler had taken the UK, everyone was like, Hitler would have put him in charge. And considering he, Hitler went to his fucking wedding, I have no doubt about this. After his arrest, no one ever liked him ever again. He moved to Paris and started pushing for the idea of 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 Europe as a fascist place instead of England as a fascist place. Fascism shouldn't be so nationalistic, just racist. This is sometimes <laughs> called post-fascism or the union movement or Europe a nation. So this is basically like imagine the EU, but like instead of being kind of a capitalist sort of progressive thing, yeah. it was just like a fascism imperial thing. Literally, part of this Europe a nation plan was to divide Africa into black and white nations and use the black nations for cheap labor. Um, he wanted to ban interracial marriages and deport non-whites from Britain. He was a key figure in starting the Holocaust denial movement. <laughs> Great. And he was super into organic farming. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah I can. so many of them were. Oddly. I know. I know. Yeah, he pops back up in like the 60s, doesn't he? Yeah. Like doing anti-immigrant barking and yeah. Yeah. And then someone punches mm-hmm. him. I forgot to put this part into the yes. story. <laughs> well, that's nice. In the nice. 60s, someone's just like, fuck you. Yeah, and punches yeah, yeah. him in the face. Wasn't he at Speaker's Corner, like okay. at Hyde Park, and he got punched, I think? I might I might, I might be sort of misremembering, but I think yeah. he got might be the punched. Case. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yeah, you'd think he'd fucking learn. He also got like even better than getting punched. His son. Nicholas Mosley hated him. Dope. Wrote a whole ass yeah. book about what a fuck <laughs> his dad was. Extremely based. Uh, yeah. Said, quote, while the right hand dealt with grandiose ideas and glory, the left hand let the rat out of the sewer. Burn. About oh, yeah. his fucking dad. His son actually fought fascists in World War II. Oh, amazing. <laughs> talk the talk, walk the walk. Go on, oh, yeah. Nicholas. And went on to be a novelist. Oh, hell yeah. Survived the war. So, Mosley died like Franco of Parkinson's disease in the end, I believe. Every five years, the veterans of the Battle of Cable Street come out in remembrance, um, though I'm unsure if it's continued now or not. Um, The article I was reading was about 10 years old. I think Um, they still do a commemorative march, or like at least there's a commemorative event. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a mural there now. Uh, it's been there since the early 80s. It took a very long time to paint because it kept getting attacked by fascists. This mural yeah. that was painted oh, in the cool. 70s. Yeah, it's only one way to deal with them. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, um, yeah. And there are still fascists in that area trying to ha- hate the foreigners, mostly South Asian folks mm-hmm. these days, who are included in the mural to because everyone involved in this on every level has always been like, all of these struggles are united. Great, yeah. Uh, there are still fascists in the UK. Uh, they are still vulnerable to uh, uh, piss shit. 
<laughs> being punched, <laughs> like yeah. all of the above. Yeah. Stones. Solidarity mm. between yeah, all the, yeah. groups. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to find it unless you, uh, you show up in the streets where they are and uh, stop them doing their nasty shit. Yeah. Well, that's the Battle of Cable Street. I don't know if there's potatoes and razors, but there was basically everything else you could possibly want good in this world. Mm-hmm. It's a, it is a really magnificent, like, it's such a, such a heartwarming story. Like, it's how things should always fucking work, right? There should always yeah. be more people who are like, no, this is not okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, it shows that, like, because people, nationalists, racists, Nazis, etc., want to keep bringing up this point that we're, like, naturally divided along, like, ethnic and religious lines and stuff, right? And it just shows that, like, yes, people can be splintered into those. Yes, people can be united and in solidarity. All you got to do is do it. All you got to do is show yeah. up for each other and like plant those seeds. And then 20 years later, they, they will bear fruit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I don't know, the most, I think sometimes uh, like some of the most, like the best memories I have, the happiest times of my life have been in, not, not in the Battle of Cable Street, I'm not that old, but like mm-hmm. participating <laughs> in things where you feel that solidarity, like, and like I said, like you yeah. don't get it unless you fucking show up. And, and when you show up, it's very cool. And it will inspire you to keep doing all the stuff which is less exciting. You know, like, you know, uh, organizing mutual aid or getting yeah. blankets together for people who need a warm place to sleep or whatever it is. Because, like, that is how you build the thing that does the thing that happened at Cable yeah. Street. And I've been in moments where, like, you know, um, like at one point the cops are trying to get the... Um, some older liberals to disavow the black block, right? Yeah. And the cops were like showing up and being like, oh, these anarchists, blah, blah, blah. And then those people were like, no, the anarchists have been with us. Like they've had our backs against you, you know? Like, yeah. And, and what it takes, it's the opposite of Twitter discourse. It is the yes. opposite of finding ways to focus on what makes us different and disagree with each other and mm-hmm. instead find things that we have in common and focus on them. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't have arguments about different things or whatever, but it's like, even when I'm talking about all these like Irish Catholics and Jews, most of the communists would not have identified as religious, right? Yeah. You know, but it's like, it, it, just people finding ways to to see their commonalities and work together is how shit gets done. Yeah, like, I know I've, I've told this story before on other podcasts, but, like, uh, in 2018, I participated in, like, some mutual aid help to the migrant caravan that was mm-hmm. down in Tijuana. And one of the coolest parts of it was, like, uh, I, I remember, like, some old ladies from the church riding in the back of a pickup truck with, with with us because like they had a bunch of cash that they'd taken from their collection and they were determined yeah. to to buy whatever people needed and like another time like this friend who's an electrician and another friend who's a pro bike racer and a bunch of people from a church in Tijuana and I like were able to rig up a projector in the roof of an old nightclub and so like little kids could watch Beverly Hills Chihuahua and like yeah it was these cool okay. things that we totally wouldn't have done if I'd been like, uh, are you, are you from a Catholic church or like, are, are you yeah. like from a mosque or a synagogue or there were all these different, or if the people from the church hadn't wanted to work with people from the mosque, right? Like it right. would have been not as empowering. It still was very difficult for a lot of people, but like, yeah, if we, 
hadn't put aside all the little differences we had and, and focused on the massive commonalities we had, things yeah. would have been worse. Yeah. Well, if people want to focus on the commonalities they have with you, yep. how can they yeah. <laughs> follow you on the internet or yeah. read your stuff? Mm-hmm. I did that better me. than the ad transitions. I kind of yeah, I no, didn't you do my best it. ad transitions, but that one I thought they good. were great. That was Thanks. wonderful, actually. Thanks. Uh, you can find me on twitter.com where you can type in my name. And uh, I am quite angry on there, but you have to understand it. So I'm angry at people who should be... Uh, yeah, should be victims of our anger, uh, mostly the government. So you find me there. It's James Stout. You can read a book about a similar incident of people coming together to fight fascism in Barcelona, but like six months before this, not even, by going to the library and asking for playing as if the world was watching the Popular Front at the 1936 Barcelona Olympics, which is a book I've written. And you can hear me most days on It Could Happen Here, which is a podcast on Cool Zone Media. Yeah, and yeah. you can. I do have stuff other than the tabletop role playing game, but yeah. that's the coolest, or at least it's the thing that I'm currently talking about. It's called Penumbra City. It's up on Kickstarter, and it's a tabletop role playing game. And it's uh, intended. It will come with all of the stuff to play, even if you've never played it, Dungeons and Dragons or anything similar before. We're going to do our best to make sure that we can help other people learn to play this kind of game. That's cool. And store tell stories with your friends about different groups. I mean, it's literally a game about different groups that have to work together or they'll also get crushed by the God King. And it's called Penumbra City. You can back it on Kickstarter. Sophie, what do you got? Uh, we have uh, we have a new show on Cool Zone Media that uh, will have launched by the time this episode has come <gasps> out, I believe, Ooh. with uh, J.K. and Rahan. It is called Sad Oligarch. It is a modern true crime style investigative series that looks into the many, many, many deaths of Russian oligarchs over the last year or so. And uh, Jake is investigating the corruption there. It is very good. So check that out. Sad oligarch on all the apps. I'm excited about that. I didn't yeah. know it was coming out so soon. Yeah. Yeah. And we will see you all next Monday when we learn about more cool people who... No, I can't even do it. It's a straight face. Cool people we'll who did Monday. cool stuff. You were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is 
finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.